All right, welcome back to another Real Talk with Chuck and Pam as Chuck swigs a drink of his Mountain Dew and I swig, I mean sip a glass of my wine because this is how you podcast during quarantine times. That is really a big glass. Mm. You, have, you have carpal tunnel problems with your wrist there? <laughs> No, I've, I've actually strengthened my wrist muscles, and I do drink left-handed and right-handed, you know, just to balance it out, you know? When you shop for shirts and, and, and coats, do you have to make sure that that, you know, that sleeve there at the bottom is a little wider for that wrist? Exactly, exactly. Oh, okay. so, so, Chuck, how are you doing with all of this? And this meaning our quarantine times, our QT, not Quentin Tarantino. I'm doing fine. I, I have that pile of books that I say, I, you know, I'm going to read someday. I have those movies that I say I'm going to watch someday. Well, it's someday, you know, so <laughs> I'm getting caught up Anna on Karina that. how's Anna Karina doing? What? Uh, Anna, oh, boy. Anna is kind <laughs> of a, a difficult slog, I got to tell you. I'm actually reading three books at the same time. How do you do that? Well, Anna, I'll read a few chapters and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I need a break. So then I go to something lighter. You know, I'm reading a film history book. I'll read a few chapters of that. I'll give Anna another try. She'll wear me out. And so then I'll go to a Sherlock Holmes story I'm reading, read a couple chapters of that. It's just those other two books help me get through Anna Karenina. And boy, it's a long haul. I'm sure that it is. And her, her name is even a tongue twister. So do you ever blend Anna and Sherlock together as you're picking something up? Like, why, where did I leave off with this? <laughs> no, but that would be interesting if they would meet. They're about, they, the characters both exist in the same time period. Ah, well, there you go. There's your next screenplay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And how are you doing with all of this? You know, um, it's been an up and down roller coaster ride, to be honest with you. And um, I've enjoyed some aspects of it. I've enjoyed not filling up my gas tank twice to three times a week. That mm -hmm. has saved me at least $120 a week, which has been great. Yeah, I've enjoyed not spending money on parking fees in Chicago. That too has been wonderful. And putting 500 miles on my car every week. So I guess I really got, I kind of got burnt out on that whole travel thing. And that's been nice. I've been walking my dogs, which has been great. Um, it's the uncertainty of the future that is just pretty tough on my psyche, to be totally honest with you. That's been a little hard for me. So having movies as an escapism has kind of been a lifesaver for me. I've really not just enjoyed it, but needed it. Well, and that's always been one of their main, you know, one of those main things that why we flock to them. I mean, the Depression uh, was a huge time for films. We're not there yet. I mean, gosh, things aren't that bad. Uh, but you're right. When you need to get away from things, I mean, you turn on a movie and away you go, as long as it's a good movie. And that's why we're here, to point you to those good movies so you can escape for a little bit. Right. And, and something fun that we've been doing is on WCIA is doing special segments each week. This last week... Hold on, the dogs are barking because the UPS guy is delivering yet another delivery from Amazon. <laughs> oh, it looks like it might be a wine delivery. Oh, color me shocked. <laughs> but on WCIA, we've been doing these special segments. Last week, we did a special baseball segment. And I got a little bit of, of flack from friends for not calling out some of their favorites that they were shocked that I didn't remember, like The Natural. But one of the things we wanted to do in that segment is to call attention to things that maybe you didn't know about or had forgotten about. So I would love it if you could just tell me a few of the titles that you 
would have included if I just said, give me your best baseball movies. What are your home runs? What wow. would you give me? Well, there's just, you know, there is so many of them. Uh, yeah, and The Natural is there. A League of Their Own is there, and we'll have a reference to that, I think, later in the show in relationship to something else. Uh, I had mentioned The Bad News Bears. Uh, also, you know, one, uh, The Pride of the Yankees, way back in 1942 with Gary Cooper, the Lou Gehrig story. I actually saw that not too long ago. It's hokey. I mean, it, it, it's definitely designed to be a tribute to the guy, and I don't know how much realism there is there, but the heart is there, the heart and the sentiment, and uh, seeing Babe Ruth play himself in that film, as well as other New York Yankees from that era, it's really an interesting touchstone. And you know, baseball just never never goes out of style, and, and really that is one of the things I have been missing during all this. I have too. No, I haven't. Um, <laughs> but I do like a good baseball movie. And one of, the, one of the movies that I really enjoyed was Clint Eastwood in uh, Trouble with the Curve. I believe he directed and wrote that as well. And then also, and you mentioned A League of Their Own, and The Natural is one of my favorites just because of, well, I mean, it's a good story. And it took place near my hometown, near Buffalo, New York, which is really kind of cool that they filmed it there. Yeah, they filmed it in the old minor league stadium there. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's always been a little special to me just for that reason. And then um, the other one is, and I think you and I both mentioned this one when we were talking about different topics, is Fever Pitch. Yes, yes, definitely. An another fun baseball movie. Base yeah, and it's, baseball's kind of on the periphery there, but still it has an impact on the character and certainly his fandom. Um, well, why don't we back up a little bit to uh, A League of Their Own. I know there's a movie you want to talk about that def has a definite connection to that. Chris Bolin um, brings us this very complicated story from back in the 1940s um, called A Secret Love. It's now streaming on Netflix. It's about two women who had to hide their feelings for one another. They met uh, during World War II when... There wasn't any baseball. Chuck, can you imagine? No baseball? Oh, I guess we're imagining that yeah, right we're, now. Yeah, we're doing it we? right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the women stepped up to the plate, pun intended, and took over. There's a, a famous movie, obviously, A League of Their Own, starring Tom Hanks and Gina Davis, to name you know many other stars in that film. But one of the women, Terry Donahue, played in this league. She played for the Peoria Red Wings. And she met the love of her life during this time period, Pat Henschel. During that time period, it was illegal, truly illegal to be attracted to, let alone date or and even marry somebody of the same sex. We're taken back in time. We meet these two women when they're in their 90s. They live in St. Charles, Illinois, a small quaint suburb of Chicago. And uh, we take a walk through history with them through wonderful footage, found footage and photographs. And we also get to know them where they are today and, and what their lives were like back then, as well as their um, uh, Terry's niece, Diana, who feels like Terry is a mother to her. They call her Aunt Terry and Aunt Pat. Um, this is a touching film that really conveys emotions that families go through when you come to a point in your life that you can't take care of yourself anymore. Terry has Parkinson's disease. It's a love story between these two women, but it's also a story of family love and what you do and the conflicts that you, you approach and how you deal with them in order to help the ones that you loved. 
I think that the love that these two women have and had for each other is something that I think we all would be so much better for if we ever experienced what they experienced. So I loved it. I loved it. Brought tears to my eyes. Chuck. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you liked it. It's always good to, you know, to find a movie that moves you in some way. The last 45 minutes for me were, it was just a drudgery. It was just a drudgery. Because I wasn't, you know, sure what was the conflict here. I mean, really, what, what is the problem? And it seemed to me as though they were padding this thing to get it up to almost feature length. I mean, the thing only runs 82 minutes. I thought the initial part was fascinating, you know, the, the baseball stuff, but also the stuff as far as, as you'd said, they, they talked about that era of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and, and how if you were homosexual, you had to hide. You could lose your job. You could be arrested. You know, and that, that was fascinating to, to look back at that era and see just how misguided everything was. The film is fine. It has a very sweet message. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. All right, and that brings us <laughs> on to... Do you see how this whole coronavirus thing has made me nicer? Have you seen that? Did, did, you, did you notice that? Um, you know what? I think it's just the fact that we cannot convey eye rolls or any other body language oh. on audio. I think that okay. that's what's helping. I'll work on that. Okay, so, okay, we've got, oh, let's talk about Bull. And that's a movie that we actually agree on. You know, I don't know about you, but we the way we watch movies, um, the first time we watch something with a critical eye, sometimes I note that, you know, a lot of times if I go back and watch something a second time, I'm picking up things, I have, you know, more of an emotional connection to things. The first uh, or second time? The second time. Oh, really? Okay. The second time. And this one, Bull, which is the uh, debut feature film of uh, director Annie Silverstein. She also worked on the script as well. This is one that has really stuck with me. I find myself thinking back to it uh, every other day or so, even though I've seen it maybe two weeks ago. It, it just proves to be a haunting film for me. I put it right up there with The Florida Project and Lean on Pete as far as examinations of modern poverty. Obviously not a a pleasant subject to examine, but one that we need to keep examining in order to keep people who are on the margins on our minds, have that sympathy, have that empathy for these people who are caught in this trap of poverty. And that's what this movie is about. It's about a, a girl named Crystal, played by Amber Havard. It's her first movie, and you wouldn't know it by watching this. She seems to be about 13, 14 years old. She's in a bad situation. She's living with her grandmother uh, and her younger sister because her mom is in jail. Dad is nowhere to be found, uh, and this kid is gravitating towards other kids who I'm assuming are from broken homes. They're looking for trouble. Uh, they're looking for attention. And one night they find trouble by breaking into the neighbor of Amber's grandmother, a guy by the name of Abe, his house, and he's a former rodeo bull rider, and they trash the place. Uh, when Abe comes back the next day to see what's happened, he also finds Crystal there. Instead of having her arrested, they work something out to where she comes back and starts to undo all the damage that was done. And this strange relationship forms between Abe and Crystal. It's antagonistic at first, and it has its definite ups and downs. This is not your usual Hollywood type of relationship that we see, in which it's all sweetness and butterflies and everything's just fantastic. Let's listen to a clip from the film. doing your job miss i'm doing my best please her mom is in jail i'm sorry for what she did is there any way we can work this out 
That's the girl that broke into your house? You see that, boy? You think he just going crazy, right? Wants to kill someone. His mind is going crazy with anger. When he gets close to you, he closes his eyes. He can't see. And then he's yours. You understand? I mean, these two end up respecting each other, I think. They also end up being angry at each other at certain times. It's up and down. But what runs throughout this film is that you've got two very lonely people. And they are looking to make some sort of connection, some sort of valid, human, emotional connection, especially the young girl, Crystal. And keeping that in mind, watching that final scene play out just has haunted me just this simple gesture that she has, but she wants so much. Absolutely heartbreaking. This is really, I think, one of the best things I've seen this year. Incredible performances. And Chuck, I have to thank you for encouraging me to continue on. For those of you who don't know me, I am an animal lover. Um, and I had a very difficult time with the first, what was that, like maybe the first 10 minutes of the film when they break into the, to the house, and I don't know what they're gonna do with the dogs and the chickens, but it didn't look good for the chickens. And yes, people, I do eat meat, I do eat chickens, I do eat eggs, but I don't like to see the whole process of, of death with an animal or any kind of animal cruelty. And so I turned it off. I just couldn't go any further. And thankfully, you that didn't bother you like it did me, and you encouraged me to turn it back on and watch it, and I'm so glad that I did. This does remind me of Lean on Pete. It does not remind me of the Florida Project just because, and yes, there is the whole issue of poverty and those on the outskirts and those that are forgotten, but I hated the Florida Project. I know I you loved did. Bull. I know. It also reminded me of the rider, and the reason why um, it reminded me of that is the, the actors are not actors. Yeah. Rob Morgan obviously is. I think he's from Moonlight, right? Yes. Um, he's been in Just Mercy as well. Um, standout performer, incredible actor. Every single actor in this film or person has such an authentic performance. I felt like it was more of a, a documentary. I felt like the camera was just invading their space and they were able to capture everything that was happening in real time. Incredibly done. When I went to, I did some research on this on IMDb, uh, Rob Morgan and Yolanda Ross, who plays Abe's girlfriend in a couple of scenes, they're the only two professional actors in the entire thing. Wow. Everyone else, including this Amber Havard young lady, first timers. And, and yeah, it looks as though uh, Silverstein just picked these people right out of, you know, Dollar General or right out of a fast food joint because they, they just reek of authenticity. And that's what ends up making this film so meaningful to me. Because like you say, it, it's almost like it's a real life thing playing out before your eyes. Nothing is artificial in this film no, at all. Not at all. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's, it's kind of stuck to me for so long and will stick to me for, for quite a while. Right, and, and definitely that last scene, I mean, oh. as you were describing it, it brings oh. tears to my eyes. 
I know, Just I know. Incredible. So make sure you check this one out. VOD, video on demand, all digital platforms that you can possibly imagine um, by Annie Silverstein. Great to see a female writer and director and have just such a powerful first film. Yeah, great job. Great job. Another female director, Alice Wu, uh, she has a film coming out on Netflix, uh, I guess, what, starting this, uh, this Friday, May 1st, I think. That's right, starting today, Friday, May 1st. For those of you who are fans of the tale of Cyrano de Bergerac, or maybe if you're not familiar with that, I bet you remember the 1996-1997 film Roxanne with Steve Martin. It's about a young girl, Leah Lewis, who's incredibly smart growing up in a very rural, backward kind of town in Oregon. She sticks out like a sore thumb. Quahamish. Quahamish. Make sure you say the name. It's fantastic. Quahamish. Yes. I looked that up just to see if I had been there. I know. I guess it's a state park that's there, actually. So I don't think there's an actual town called Squahamish, but it is in Oregon. Ellie is, she does stand on like a sore thumb because she's Asian. There aren't many Asian people in that little town. Um, She's picked on and bullied, but that's like a side story that really isn't as an important part of the story as it is of this young girl realizing, and I don't even want to say realizing, I guess peeling away the layers and actually seeing for the first time who she is. Why this happens, she actually writes essays for all of her classmates. And her teacher, I loved her teacher in this film. Her teacher, played by Becky Ann Baker, is thrilled that she writes all of the other students' essays so she doesn't have to read the garbage that they're going to write. <laughs> yeah, so Becky, Ellie, Becky Ann Baker, ahead. she's a veteran from uh, Freaks and Geeks. Oh, is she really? Yeah, she plays the mom of Linda Cardinelli. Ah, she is phenomenal. Her comedy and timing is awesome. So Ellie ends up being hired by the class jock, the football star, um, Paul, played by Daniel Deemer. And he's, he's hired her because he has fallen in love with Aster, played by Alexis Lemire. And he wants to show her how much he cares for her by writing these love letters. But needless to say, he's not too terribly eloquent, and Ellie is. Ellie writes these letters, and if you are familiar with Cyrano de Bergerac, a few things happen along the way, and things don't exactly work out the way Paul thinks that they're going to. Let's listen to a clip from the film. We don't have time to score you on everything Astrid thinks you are, so we have to be selective. Deep versus broad-based learning. Huh? We spy on her, then cram you on her greatest hits. Oh, cool. Are you ready for this? Yes. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is a funny, sweet tale that I think will entertain both teens and adults. What I loved about this is that it's a new, fresh twist on this classic tale and really brings it into the current times with identity and acceptance and and coming to a point in your life where you know where you're going and accept yourself for who you are. I thought it was beautifully done. It was fun. My daughter even sat through it with me, and she never watches movies with me. Well, that must say something. That does. (laughs) What did you think, Chuck? Uh, The one thing I liked about it was the, the extra wrinkle they throw in there with the boy, Paul, Actually, and the, rela- the relationship that develops between Paul and Ellie, the person writing the letters, that, that, that whole thing isn't in the Cyrano 
premise. And so that extra little wrinkle in things, I think, gave the whole story a, ni- a nice new dimension. There are problems with the movie. I mean, uh, being close to high school kids, I know that high school kids do not quote Wim Vendor's movies. They don't read The Remains of the Day. They don't stay home and watch The Philadelphia Story. I wish they did. Uh, but this is, you know, this is Alice Wu's, you know, idealized way, uh, view of high school. And that's fine, I guess. But the thing that saved this film is these three kids. Daniel Deemer, Leah Lewis, and Alexis Lemire, they're so damn likable. All three of them. You, you just, you, you, I, I brushed aside all my objections and I just wanted to spend time with these three kids. They're so likable, they're so sweet. I was hoping everyone would be happy at the end. And that really, that was something I needed right now. Right, and, and don't you think with Alice Wu, with writing this script, she gave both Alexis Lemire and um, Daniel Deemer, who played Paul and Aster, she gave them room to grow exactly. and develop their characters. Yeah. And they are like totally fleshed out. They have their own stories. Don't ever judge a book by its cover, which right. is beautifully done, not just for one character, but for three. There, there are three standout scenes in this movie for me, and one of them is a ping pong game. Between them. And as they're playing (laughs) ping pong, they're asking each other questions and they get to know each other. And I thought, oh, that is that is just perfect. Just perfect. Uh, But then again, you know, Aster, Aster and Paul's first date is a disaster. I love that scene, you know, And, and, and I loved how they interwoven texting into that Cyrano scene. You know, that was very, very clever as well. Uh, and then the finale in the church was 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 very good too, so you know it, it's far from a perfect movie, but boy, it really gets by on charm. I think that's what I wrote in my review, actually. Yeah, me Charmingly too. sweet movie. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely one to see, worth your time. What age group do you think would like this? Oh, I don't know, twelve and up on Netflix, so it's easy to see. So we both recommend that. Wow. Chuck, is this quarantine thing making us nicer to each other? I doubt it. More agreeable? And what's the next movie we're going to talk about? That could be the telling tale here. Um, <laughs> all day and a night. All day and a night. Ooh, I can see from the expression on your face you weren't a fan. I have mixed feelings on this one. Well, I've noticed that certain subjects don't sit well with you. And obviously the subject in this film, I had a feeling... You would you would you would wrestle with you would grapple with. Okay, in what way? I'm curious. The violence. Okay. The violence. You're right. As far as that was concerned, but this one reminded me of that movie we 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 liked a couple years ago, Blind Spotting. You remember that? Yes, I, I thought the exact same thing as I was watching it. Well, you know, they both take place in Oakland. And uh, Fruitvale Station as well from a few years back. That was in Oakland, too. So this seems to be, you know, an area of concentration for filmmakers. And if you even just go back and look at Black Panther, the opening sections in Black Panther take place in Oakland, too. So the African-American community there and how they are disenfranchised has, you know, come to the forefront in these films. And that's certainly the case uh, here in this movie, written and directed by Joe Robert Cole, and he was one of the writers on the Black Panther film. Yeah, it deals with a young man named Ja, played by Ashton Sanders, and we see him making a big mistake as the film opens. We see him sneaking into someone's house, and he brutally murders 
a young man and a young woman in front of their daughter, who's about nine or 10 years old. Ja is immediately arrested, tried, and sent to prison for life. And we see this all within the first 10 or 15 minutes of the film. We're not messing around here. And a great chunk of the film then is uses multiple flashbacks to show us how he got to that point, how he got to the point where he decided that this was something he had to do that night to kill these two people and how it has affected his life. And all of it has to do with his father, J.D., played by the great Jeffrey Wright. We see how this man raised him, the effect he had him, on him, and it comes as no surprise that we see that Ja reunites with J.D. in prison. Uh, much of the film has to do with, and we've heard this again, again and again, and we need to keep hearing it until we solve this, the lack of opportunity available to African-American men. How when there is no opportunity for advancement as far as education, no opportunity for advancement as far as jobs, when you can't make a living, a decent living, and you have no other opportunities or, or choices, you turn to crime. It's just a matter of survival. And once you do that, you know, it's that whole slippery slope thing. One bad decision leads to another. You justify one thing, and it comes easier then to justify other acts of, of violence, other moralistic acts that you shouldn't do. And you end up on this path that Ja finds himself on. The flashbacks got a little confusing at times. I, you know what, I was glad that I had the closed captioning on because it, was, it said down there, young Ja versus the current day Ja. So that helped me out in discriminating that. Right, and, and um, closed captions, captions are a good idea for this film. Uh, there's a lot of mumbling, a lot of low mumbling going on as far as dialogue was concerned, and I missed some things before I turned it on, but I could still follow what was going on. It's a brutal movie, and it's a tragic film in, in, in a lot of ways. It was something that held my interest from the beginning to the end, though. I will say that it does offer a slim, the slimmest of slim bits of hope there at the end. Uh, but there is at least that. But it's unfortunately a timely movie and one that speaks to something, a, a problem that we've yet to grapple with. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, it's not just a timely movie, it's a timeless movie because this situation's been going on for how many years? I used to do home visits in Cabrini-Green and the Robert Taylor projects, and I saw this stuff in front of me. Heartbreaking. I think, uh, and, and it was a bit violent, so for those of you who get a little queasy on the violence aspect, you're going to be a little off-put by that. I think just the, the reality of it and the fact that I didn't find any hope in this movie at all. Um, I just found a cycle of violence begets violence begets violence and hopelessness and hopelessness and hopelessness. And then the resiliency of anybody is not possible because there are no stable people to provide a, a source of, like you were saying, there's nothing there for them to work for and hope for because the government has given up on them. Community has given up on them. They, they are given up, forgotten people. And that cycle you talk about, it's not just in society, but also within the family. The father and the son meeting in prison. I don't know how often that happens, but it's probably more often than I'm, I would be comfortable with. I, I did love, though, and this seems to be a predominant thing, too, the grandmother figure. The grandmother figures in, the, in those communities seem to be the ones that are doing their best to hold things together. And of course, they, are only, they only have so much power to do that until you know, their efforts fall short as well. Yeah, a very, again, I, I like what you said, timeless, not only timely. I did think it was a little too long. It was about two hours long, and I, I felt would like say, it dragged a little bit in the middle. I could have like, done with a little bit of editing. They could have trimmed it, and it would have been just fine. 
would yeah, have been just yeah. fun. Yeah, but I think it was well done. And, and the young guy, Ashton Sanders, who plays Ja, um, he had an incredible performance in Moonlight. And he's, he's a very subtle actor, not overt in any way, and really gives us every emotion, thought, and feeling just with a little change in his facial expression or his eyes. You really feel what he's feeling. And even, even when he shoots these people... You realize this isn't what he wants to do. No. And I have to say, I was shocked, but it finally made sense. Once, we've, once we are told or once we see why he's doing this, it all made sense. And I thought that was very powerful. Oh, it was. It was, it was a great script. Very powerful. Just a little tweaking on that time would have done me a little bit of good. But yeah, a timeless movie. Yeah, I agree. Wow. Chuck. Yes? We agree on three out of four. What the heck is going on? Well, I'm glad that we've got some good things to watch because I got to tell you, the last few weeks, it's been, you know, it's been really hit and miss. I've been watching things like Married at First Sight and binge watching that. That scares me that that's been entertaining me. Hey, I've been watching the new Nancy Drew show on the CW and loving it. Loving it. <laughs> if you haven't tried Nancy Drew, give it a shot, man. That first couple episodes and you're sucked in. Really? I used to love reading the books when I was a kid. The more you know about the books and the other TV shows and movies, the more you'll enjoy this because there are illusions all over the place. Oh, it's, really? Yeah, there's little Easter eggs throughout, so you'll get a kick out of it. Oh, fun. I even think I still have the series up in the attic somewhere. Yeah, you'll get a kick out of it if you have that knowledge. Cool, cool. So what do we have coming up um, as far as anything. Well, one that I'm looking forward to comes out next week is a movie called Arkansas, and it stars Liam Hemsworth, Vince Vaughn, John Malkovich, and Vivica A. Fox, and it deals with two guys who work for this drug kingpin in Arkansas, and they try to do some sneaky little stuff as far as to uh, do their own little sidebar thing as far as crime is concerned, and apparently it blows up in their faces. So I'm looking forward to that one. I'm also looking forward to, and I have the, the privilege of seeing this movie in Tribeca, I think about a year ago. Um, it's called Driveways, and it's by Andrew Ahn, and it stars Brian Dennehy, and who unfortunately just recently passed away. I am looking forward to sharing. I've got a couple of interviews with the lead as well as Andrew Ahn, the writer and director of this movie, so we'll be sharing that with you as well. Um, we've also got Working Man coming up, and I've got a, an interview with the writer and director of that film as well. And you can see that on WCIA. And that, again, is called Working Man. Sounds good. You know what I can't wait for? What? Going to get dinner at Hamilton Walker's in downtown Champaign. Oh, you know what? When this is all over, I'll tell you what. I'm going to take you and Beth and Grant, and we're going to go to Hamilton Walker's for dinner. My treat. Nope, no, nope. It'll be my treat because it'll be your birthday. Your birthday oh, okay. dinner. I'm, I'm good with that. There we go. Your birthday dinner that we haven't been able to do. I know. And then let's go to Sylvia's Irish Inn. I'll uncork a bottle of wine. Wine seems to be the thing we'll for me tonight. We'll have dessert. <laughs> we'll have dessert out on the front porch at Sylvia's, which is where I stay when I'm in Champaign at 312 West Green Street in Urbana. When this is all over and done, we're going to make a great night of it and celebrate. I can't wait. Thanks for listening, and uh, make sure to tune in next week. We're going to have more good stuff to talk about. Perfect.